This is Other Voices. We're listening to varied views from local people who might otherwise not be heard. I'm Melissa Hale Spencer, editor of the Altamont Enterprise, which focuses on Albany County, New York. You can reach me at mhs at altamontenterprise.com. I'm talking to Alexandra Fazulo, who was raised in Altamont and now has the world as her oyster. She's just published her first book, Freelance Your Way to Freedom. Still in her 20s, she describes making her millionth dollar from her freelance work and wants to share her skills with others. Her grandmother, Mary Jo Doherty, was the original feminist in her life. Don't be timid, her nana told her. Don't feel you need to take a step back just because you're a woman. After suffering from misogynist online hate, Fazulo has become a champion for women and especially enjoys helping single mothers. The world benefits when everybody feels they can join in on the fun, she says. I'm talking today to Alexandra Fazulo from England, and she grew up locally, went to the Voorheesville School, and at a very young age has catapulted into fame and fortune. Listeners will hear a lag. It's because we're talking across the pond, as they say. Um, Alexandra, this week has just published her first book, Freelance Your Way to Freedom, How to Free Yourself from the Corporate World and Build the Life of Your Dreams. So I'd just kind of like to start at the beginning as you were building your life of dreams. And one of the things that really interested me is the dedication to your book. It says, to my momager, you coined a word there, <laughs> to my momager who has played both mom and dad to my sister and me. Thanks for teaching me to rub some dirt on it, get back up, and go out there and crush my dreams. So just tell us, because in your acknowledgments too, you talk about the squad. Uh, just tell us about your family a little mm-hmm. bit growing up and where you got that, you know, get back up philosophy. Sure. So I grew up in Altamont. Um, many people listening to this will know that. And they know my mom because she had a tattoo school, which a lot of people uh, had frequented in the area back in the day. But yeah, I grew up um, just on Altamont Warriorsville. And my sister and I, we were definitely very heavily influenced by my mom and her entrepreneurial spirit. And um, she's definitely a serial entrepreneur. I watched her. My sister, as I got older, I actually never imagined that I would become an entrepreneur. Um, I didn't see it as the obvious path for myself. But after I went to college, I started to work uh, in Albany and downtown Albany. And one thing led to another. I ended up quitting my corporate job and I found myself freelance writing and kind of becoming the very thing, you know, that I never thought I would become. So um, I kind of dedicated that to my mom because it's a funny, like full picture moment. And um, with everything that's happened in our lives, she has had to play against my sister and I, and I think she did a a damn good job of it. And I'm very grateful for her uh, for doing that. So um, that's why I dedicated it to her. And then the acknowledgement, um, I kind of like call out my whole family in that one. And I always, I always, it fools me. I certainly uh, have a, a fair amount of people who don't love what I'm doing and that's okay. So I, I try and have fun and laugh about it. 
Yeah, I'd like to talk about that too, because part of the acknowledgement is the people you call the haters, the online haters. And I just, I can't imagine what that would be like. I know your mother also, with her tattoo school reality show, got a lot of pushback and, and hatred. And just putting yourself out there for these anonymous people to use you as a target, just talk a little about how you deal with that psychologically. Yeah, um, I'm not going to lie. When it first started happening to me a couple years ago, I was not psychologically prepared for it whatsoever. So I was upset by it. Um, I would lash out at people, back at them online. I didn't really know what I was supposed to be doing with this kind of random out of nowhere hate and it's been three or four years of it now so I feel like I'm quite seasoned to it and I've had to read a lot of mindset books a lot of spirituality books a lot of things that have taught me that if somebody is hating on you in such a way it's obviously when they find themselves in right now and um, it has nothing to actually do with you and there's something very freeing about it truly understanding that it's taken a couple years to get that. So, um, now when I see the hate comments, I just let it go and, um, go on my merry way, but it took me a little while to get here. So if you're somebody who's brand new to getting hate online and it's a, don't feel bad that you're upset by it. You are a human being and it's okay to uh, put in buffers, you know, how much you're checking your phone, um, possibly hiring a virtual assistant to check your emails you're not like the first line of these hate comments. Um, I do think it's important to like build in those buffers because everyone is a human at the end of the day, but I've had four years of experience with it now. So most of the time I can just laugh it off, but it did take me a while to get there. <laughs> yeah. Good for you. Because I really feel that that's, <laughs> it's the flip side for having the kind of reach that you can get online is these and it seemed like a lot of the comments yeah. were targeted because you're a woman. There seems to be a lot of resentment in a woman being successful. Um, I don't know if you have comments or advice on that. Yeah. You know, when I started doing all of this, I didn't pay attention to any of that. I would just wake up and truly see myself as this like, I don't know, genderless entity that wakes up and goes to bed. I wasn't really concerned with the identity element of it. And all of this has made me concerned with it because I haven't had a choice basically because it's been like weaponized against me so much that it's almost made me, you know, passionate helping other women get into business because I really had no idea how um, horrible it is uh, out there. It's tough out there. If you're a, a woman, especially, you know, young women, everything I see it online, it's, it's really toxic. So, um, I kind of found myself funnily enough in this position where I'm like championing other women following me and doing what I've been doing. Cause I think obviously the world benefits of when everybody feels they can, uh, join in on the fun. So I never <laughs> in a million years thought it would be like this Thing I was attacked for. Um, but it's, it's, it is what it is. So I'm just kind of rolling with it and uh, to especially help other women. I, I really love to help, um, single moms, young moms, um, these different groups of people that can't go to nine to five, so they don't know how to pay their bills. It's like one of my favorite groups to help teach freelancing to because I have so many moms message me and say, I'm at home with my three kids. I can make a living now because I've learned how to freelance and like, that's the best 
thing ever that I'm able to help them. Okay. Well, on this interview, I wanted to be really careful not to kind of spill the beans on everything in your book, because of course you want people to buy it. But um, you write uh, <laughs> after, you know, college and two different office jobs that groomed employees for, you call it a life of certitude rooted in an old school approach from the industrial revolution that you developed this other pathway. Um, and you say it, the book is not about getting rich quick. It's about laying the foundation in the remote work economy that will help you achieve financial independence. So if you could just kind of unpack that idea for us, just kind of go back in your life a little to, and I know you've done a lot of interviews because I read one where you said you were crying on your keyboard. I think it was a job in New York City. Just kind of walk us yeah. through... <laughs> You know, that part oh, of yeah. your life and, and how you came to develop this whole other world of expertise. Sure. So when I graduated college, I first went to work for the uh, New York State Assembly in Albany. And I actually I love my bosses and my coworkers there. But I always felt this feeling of because um, I'm from Albany and I was like, I want to get out of here and see what else is out there. So. I applied to a bunch of jobs in New York City, got accepted to one tech PR firm. I wasn't really into tech at the time, but I was like, you know what, I'll take it, whatever, whatever I can get, I'll take it, I'm gonna move for this job. And the next four weeks of that job um, really like opened my eyes up to, to what we accept as normal in a corporate working setting that shouldn't be normal because there's a lot of elements of like brainwashing and gaslighting and all sorts of things that we think are okay, which are not. And four weeks of that, after four weeks, I could not take it anymore. Yes, I was crying on my keyboard. It was just not for me. And I ended up quitting. And I, that's the start of all of this. I had no plan. I didn't know what the heck I was going to do. Um, so I tried many different side hustles and freelance writing was obviously the one that stuck for me. And I've been stubbornly doing it ever since eight years now. And, um, I just kind of started doing this thing that was able to pay my bills for me. And I, I didn't ask any more questions than that. I'm like, if this is going to New York, and I don't have to go back into a workplace setting like that, where I have to dress a certain way, look a certain way, talk a certain way, say this, not say that. I had to give my ideas over to my managers for them to claim as their own ideas in the, um, in the big business meetings with the CEO. That stuff is not okay with me. Like, I just, I can't do that. I'm, I, um... I'm a very blunt person to a fault. Like I can't be fake, but you'd be like, oh, that's a great thing. It is most of the time. Uh, sometimes it's not so good for me because I just don't know how to not be honest, basically. So I was like, I cannot go back into one of these settings. So I, I have to make something else work. And it, it might not be glamorous and I have to get over it. And that was my mindset, my mentality towards um, freelance writing. So for the next three years after that, I just kept my head down. I wrote every single day. I grew my business. I didn't tell anybody I was doing it. I did it out of cafes. I was very quiet about it. And it kind of landed in the public sphere in 2018 when CNBC covered it. And then I couldn't obviously hide it anymore. And once they covered it, writing to me, messaging me saying, can you tell me how you did this? I want to do this. And then next thing you know, I kind of found myself in this place where I am now like a freelance educator. I'm relaying this information that I have 
acquired, I've learned with other people. And it's really kind of rekindled this like passion in me to speak out about these corporate jobs that make people sign on competes and all these things that we think are normal. And if you sit there and think about it, it's not normal. Okay. And it's, it's, it's asking people to shed who they are, their individuality, their hopes, their dreams, their time with their family, all of these things, uh, to earn a living. And I'm just kind of here to let people know you don't have to do that. Basically. I'm like, I'm here to ruin the, the brainwashing. Um, I'm sure a lot of corporations don't like that, but I do feel it's my, my purpose too. So Uh, Well, yeah, you're kind of a missionary almost, I feel like. You have this sense of zeal about um, what your role is. So tell us about some of your other ventures. I'm your friend. I don't you called her in your book, your best friend, uh, Brizel, who sent out the email that, you know, got me to call you for this interview, listed a whole uh, um, lot of things that um, that you do. It's just kind of I don't know if you have a typical day. You probably don't. But just kind of walk us through some of the things that that make up the work that you do. Yeah. So my business is kind of confusing today. So if this is, if this doesn't make sense, I understand. Um, I kind of have what I call a business of one where it's me and my best friend and we use different things like software and virtual assistants have you to run a bunch of different little offshoots from this one central freelancing brand. And my book goes over this. So um, I have my social media, I have my email list, and we have things like online courses, digital downloads, um, now a book, ebooks. Um, I do sometimes brand sponsorships, partnerships with other companies. And it's just a bunch of little things that kind of offshoot from this central business. And a lot of people think that doesn't make sense because this is a very, in a way, a new way to do business. And that was one of the reasons I wanted to write the book. And also, so my best friend, Brianna Zell, um, you had her mom linda zell on here a couple weeks ago with the church uh episode oh i listened to it gosh. you had three of the women from oh, the lutheran wow. church and i didn't Ron. make that connection yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. so bring brianna's from slingerlands and uh, her mom's linda zell so um I, I was just gonna shout out Linda Zell. Actually, Linda Zell was one of the first people I taught Fiverr too, and she got on Fiverr freelancing six, seven years ago now. So shout out to Linda. <laughs> oh wow. Well, I this isn't the direction I thought the interview was gonna go, but let's go back into your childhood again because maybe um, <laughs> our listeners would um, you know pick up on on some of those associations. Um, I know that we wrote about a store you and your sister and your mother opened. It was soon after your father, who had died very young in his 50s, and your mom said it was to inspire people the way he was inspired to be creative. And at that time, your mother described you and Allegra as artists and um, that your father, too, was in this paint store was to get people kind of in tune with their own creativity. Just tell us a little about that venture. Yeah, that that was one of one of the many ventures uh, I would say my mom and I have hatched over the last, gosh, 10 years or so. 
we were kind of just reaching in the dark but um for people who know my family or knew my dad or anything it was a very uh tragic end there and it was very shocking for my whole family so wanted to just kind of find anything we could to feel better in the moment and we all share as a family we'll share um love of painting drawing design music clothing design all of it both of my family all the way back is art so it's just like a crazy art cyclone um so we wanted we opened an art studio yeah in altamont and we were doing um paint and sips except not with the sip there was never really sip it was just paint uh painting painting classes my mom was teaching and i would just kind of be there and help her with it and that was just kind of a thing we felt we needed to do um to kind of make it through those really really terrible six to 18 months after and just find a positive spin on it something that was crafty hands-on a way to be out with people is anyone listening to this if you've ever had like catastrophic loss happen in your life it can almost be hard to like, like reintegrate into society after you almost like don't even know you know like what to say to people or when the, when they say something to you you don't even know what to say back to them so we felt that was a um like a bridge almost kind of to getting life back to normal and to just paint and be with people and that type of thing so my mom and I we we laugh we've we've started and stopped like 10 different businesses together but we have fun when we do we we laugh about it we're like crazy <laughs> yeah no I think it's great and this you describe this crazy art cyclone with your family going all the way back and one person I think <laughs> our listeners would be very familiar with here in Altamont is Mary Jo Doherty um, who is your grandmother, right? And she did so much when she came yes. to the village. Um, yes. Not just her artistic. I mean, every time I walk in that little shilling park, I think of her because she got different sculptures to bring yeah. it into the park. And there still is a sculpture there of um, a dog with a fire hydrant, you know, raising its leg. But she just had such, um, yeah. just bringing together, making Altamont aware of its own history uh, through the different things she curated. Just tell us a little about your grandmother and if she had an influence on, on you and, and who you became. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, I I saw my Nana. I called her Nana. I saw my Nana every week my entire life, basically, until she passed. I was 25. So she was a huge, huge part of my life, very influential figure in my life, in my sister's life. And um, we would spend so much time with her. Yeah, a lot, a lot of the things that I now believe uh, were shaped by her. And I, I would say she was like the original feminist in my life. I didn't, when I didn't even know what that meant back when I was young, she was, um, even when I was eight, she would always say, you know, if I, if I would say, Oh, can I have this? She would say, she'd be like, no, no, no. You're going to say, may I have this? Or you're just going to go and have what is yours type of thing. Like she was always very much like, don't be afraid to take up space. That was always the message she gave to my sister and I, you know, don't be timid. Don't feel you need to take a, a step back just because you're a woman. And when I was young at first, I was like, whoa, Nana, chill. But as I got older, I started to appreciate that side of her. But yeah, she lived right on Maple Ave. Um, anyone who ever went to her house, she had a dragon sculpture coming in and out of the earth. She had a colored pencil fence. She had the craziest art 
uh, you've ever seen art studio. She had me and my sister painting, drawing. Um, art was the centerpiece of her life and everything that we did with her. So um, definitely, I, I would say that's a, a huge part of who I am today. And even my, my mom's mom, who lived in Albany, um, was also a different kind of artist, graphic design fashion my aunt designed her own clothing line and uh, at Altamont actually my aunt Barbara and then my mom had the tattoo school so it was it's just um I, and I don't know I, I don't have a better word but it's just craziness crazy art explosion everywhere <laughs> well it's wonderful and it's so unusual because I think almost all children think of themselves as artists you know every kid paints and draws yeah. but most of us as we grow older it's just a little tiny subset of people who who do art and to have this all through your family that's, that's quite a heritage the other thing too that um I looked up in an old story that interested me was because um, we wrote quite a bit about your mother and her tattoo school and she talked about um, as she was raising you and your sister she had her grandfather's old bookkeeping ledgers where um, during the depression when a lot of businesses mm -hmm. failed his kept on and then prospered and um, she said you you know, it's written in black ink and the losses in red. And she said, I really treasure them because I like to show the kids that Pop survived through the hard times and here is the proof. And she attributed her own success to lack of fear. So you're, it seems like your family has this whole artistic cyclone, as you call it, but also, and you're drawing on this, this sense of business and succeeding with lack of fear. So I don't know if you can talk about that part of your family, but it would be interesting to hear. Yeah, that's definitely, I would say, like uh, central morals I was raised with from my mother that traced their ancestry back through German lineage that, um, as you see in the book, I always say rub some dirt on it. That was always the kind of memo my mother gave my sister and I growing up, which was, you know, times might appear tough now, they'd be hard now, this whatever, but like the best is yet to come, rub some dirt on it, keep going, love your grandmothers and grandfathers before you, you know, the, the better times will come, they'll really get you down. So that was definitely a very central part of my upbringing, very much so, the like, you're okay, keep going, we got this type of thing. And I was honestly very grateful for having that instilled in me when I needed it the most. Asked to kind of already have been groomed and not groomed, that's a bad word, to have already been like prepared in a way for something so bad to happen, to know that after you have to come, we're going to make it to this, we're going to be okay. So, yeah, my mom very much raised us that way her parents raised her that way their parents raised them that way um very very german you know get up get moving type of thing so that's definitely a central part of our family <laughs> oh that's wonderful so her time is going so fast and we need to talk about your book i'm sorry i just was um getting off the track but oh, okay. yeah so tell us about i think you mentioned in the book that um the agent came to you through TikTok. Just like, what was the process of writing a book and how, how did that unfold? 
Yeah. So my agent, she sent me an email a year and a half ago. She found me on TikTok and um, basically we, we chit-chatted. She's up in Vermont slash upstate New York. So it was kind of like an instant click for us because she was from area. And basically what ended up happening is she pitched me to a bunch of different publishing companies and Wiley Publishing is who ended up uh, picking up me and my book because uh, they do a lot of educational stuff. So I told her, you know, I want this first book to be a business education. So Wiley picked it up and then basically we went back and forth for a couple of weeks finalizing a topic and we all agreed on like a more catch-all generic one to start since I have so many books that I want to write. They're like, why don't we make this a generic freelancing Bible? I'm like, deal. Sounds good to me. They assigned me um, a managing editor who worked kind of side by side with me. But other than that, it was pretty much up to me to pick the chapters, write all of it everything. Um, it was a much simpler process than I thought it was going to be. I don't know, maybe it's because I write for a living. So it's kind of second nature for me to write a book. Um, it went pretty quickly. I wrote it this year. I wrote it in March, 2022. So, um, to have it out already, I guess is pretty fast for a book. <laughs> um, I loved it. I want to write so many more books. Um, it was my favorite thing I've ever done. So, uh, I have a running list of 20 other titles, ready to go right now uh when i loved it and um i'm i'm proud of one so um i'm happy about it <laughs> yeah so 20 other titles is that hyperbole or do you really have like tell us what some of these future books are <laughs> i can't tell you the titles just you know just, just uh, the topics Wiley would yell at me for that um yeah so I would say about 15 of them are just business topics. Um, I, I'm a weirdo that spends a lot of time studying AI. I'm really passionate about, um, I want to write about side hustles, freelancing, the business of one, virtual assistants, all that. I also love philosophy. Um, so I would love to write philosophy books, like actual philosophy books. I love writing poetry. I want to write a book about my cat um, who actually passed away this past summer. So very hard for me but she was with me for 20 and a half years and there's always these books about all the dogs and I'm like there needs to be a book about a cat so I want to write a book about my cat and um I might even I don't know maybe try fiction since I've been on this trip in Scotland and England I've never tried writing fiction before but being here is definitely very inspiring it's very whimsical so my the the title list might double to 40 now there might be some fantasy books in there who knows Oh, gosh. Well, I'm sorry about your cat. You mentioned in the book a Siamese cat, right? That you had all those years. Wow. Well, so a closing question. Who should read this book? The one yeah. that you've actually written and published and it's out now. Who who should read this book? Oh, so I have so far 18 year old students in high school to my aunts, to people in their 70s read this book. And I have had all of them tell me there is something in it that is helpful for everyone. So I know that's a bad answer. There should be a like target market. But if you are any type of person that you hate your job, you love your job and you want to make some money on the side, you are, you feel lost, you don't know what your purpose is with your job. Or basically anybody, I think there's something actually applicable to you in this book. And I, and I know that sounds like a cop-out answer, but it's true. No, I think that's a wonderful answer. 